Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 40, titled Intentionally Fabulous with Kelly Calabrese. So while this week's conversation starts with a marriage loss, it is definitely not only for those of us who have experienced divorce. Kelly's path to rebuilding and restructuring her life after divorce was no mapped course. And along the way, she experienced secondary loss after secondary loss. When her initial approach to healing left her just as brokenhearted as before, Kelly's path of heartache diverged into wellness, bringing a new sense of spiritual, physical, and mental alignment into her life and her heart. I can't wait for you to hear from her. Hi, Kelly. Thank you for joining me today on Restorative Grief. How are you? Hey, Mandy. I'm great. I am so happy to be here. Thank you. Well, we're excited to have you because one of the things that you presented to me when we were first talking was your whole approach to wellness being spirit, mind, and body oriented. And so that is something that I love to really pay attention to in my own grief work with clients and on this podcast. So before we dive in, I just wanted to say that is my favorite part about everything you've said about what you do so far, because that whole person approach is so crucial. So that said, let's have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and your work before we get into the good stuff. Oh, well, thank you. When I was 13, I wrote in my diary, I will be an exercise therapist. I really didn't even know what that meant. I just knew I wanted to help people be well at 13. And so I've had this whole really blessed career where I used to own and operate fitness centers. I manage corporate fitness sites. I've spoken all over the world. I've been on all the major networks, best-selling books. And you know, the vehicles have changed through the last 35 years from outdoor fitness boot camps and, you know, getting to be celebrity personal trainer, but the heart is always the same to help people be well. You know, I love for people to be in health and I hate sickness, disease, grief, obesity. I mean, all, all these things that keep people from being their best. So My latest focus is empowering women to overcome the fear, the rejection, and the grief, specifically after divorce, to really create this healing and bonus life that not only will they get healthy again, but take them to a place that's better than they ever thought or imagined. Those are such honorable and lofty goals. And I love that as a young girl, you recognize (laughs) there's more in life. There's so much more here. And I want to be a part of helping people find it. Yes. That is necessary. That's really beautiful. Okay. So speaking of grief in the context of divorce, I think that that today is where the majority of our conversation gets to go simply because it is an easy arena to set grief on the side, right? We are so focused, I think, on the idea of, of rebuilding the practical side of our lives, rebuilding you know, the housing situation and the finances that maybe the emotional capacity, the internal wellness is overlooked too easily. So can you speak a little bit to how you first got involved working as a certified divorce coach? Yes. So 24 years into my marriage, my husband came home and said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left (laughs) and it blew up my world. I mean, really like the whole blindsided shock 
And you do go into survival mode where you're right. You're like, okay, the housing, the kids, their school, they're, you know, you're trying to keep things as normal as possible while a tornado came in, exploded your life and left this gaping painful hole in your heart. So you're trying to manage as best you can while your brain is fogged over. And at some point you have to deal with the emotions of it. And even after having studied personal development at that point for 30 plus years, I didn't know what the grief cycle was. That was completely new to me. And it's not just this linear, like, okay, you take the next step, then you're better. You take the next step, then you're better. No, it is messy. It is up, down, around, backwards, sideways, triggered. And especially with divorce, because there's so many reasons to get re-triggered. You know, you think you're doing okay, and then, you know, something comes from the courts. And you think you're doing okay, and then you see your former spouse posting pictures on social media with a a new woman. And then you think you're okay. So you're just constantly triggered. So really understanding that grief cycle, I'm a knowledge person. So it helps me to understand. And when I would see and hear things, I'd be like, wow, I'm not crazy. Like, this is a thing. (laughs) This is real. And so I started to study that grief cycle and see where I was stuck and where I was stopped and figure out how to work my way through that. What kind of resources did you come alongside? Because I wholeheartedly agree. There's nothing linear about grief other than as we go through life, more grief will pile on. (laughs) Like that's (laughs) the the one line you can draw through it. Um, But what kind of resources did you find to be approachable for this specific arena of loss? So I did all the things, you know, when I <laughs> found myself, and I'm like, oh my goodness. I mean, I have three science degrees and 27 certifications. So I'm a little bit of a unicorn. Like I really love to learn. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. I have to never do this again. Like this pain has to go away. I have to be well. I want to have fun again. And so I started reading. I went to the healing place. I got into divorce recovery before I was even served divorce papers. <laughs> I went to Bible studies. I was in prayer groups. I watched the TED Talks. I was listening to sermons. I was listening to, you know, just positive uh, podcasts all day long. But I did go on retreats and I did go to conferences. And I went on this one retreat that wasn't specifically a divorce retreat. It was just a women's retreat. And it was so empowering. And the leader was actually a neighbor of mine, a new neighbor. And I remember the day that a friend texted me that my former husband, I didn't know this at the time, but a month after our divorce, he was reengaged. And I didn't know that, but there were wedding pictures pretty quickly after. And my friend started texting me going, we're so sorry. We're sorry. I'm like, what, 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 sorry, what happened? I didn't even know. And they started sending me the pictures and it again, floored me, like took me to my knees, emptied me out. Like you would think after 26 years, I would get the phone call like, Hey, I found the love of my life. Just want to let you know we're getting married. (laughs) But no. (laughs) So I called her like in that panic, like anxiety. And she goes, just come here. So I came there and she's like, Kelly, you know, you're really depressed and that's a good thing. I go, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean I'm depressed and it's good? And she pulled out this grief cycle and she said, you know, she went through this like denial and there's anger and there's bitterness and, you know, fear and you're searching. She goes, but depression is you're on the upswing. And somehow in that moment, as crazy as that was, it gave me hope. So I went home and I started studying this grief cycle and I went to a different counselor 
And, you know, I did all the profiles, the strengths finders. I did the mind scan, the disc profile. And this one counselor looked at my profile. He's like, Kelly, you're so healthy. Like I've done tens of thousands of these. Like one of you're, you're empathetic, you're sympathetic, you're all these things, but you're depressed. And it was like, oh my goodness. And you don't know me. I'm the coach. Like I'm the encourager. I can't, but it gave me permission to go home and be depressed. And I really just sat in it and it was two good weeks where I just cried out all the unmet expectations and all the dreams that were shattered and all the injustices. And I allowed myself. And after about two weeks, I got up and kind of dusted myself off. And not that I'll never be sad or depressed again, but I was never a depressed person before. So this was foreign to me. I I just wasn't able to get back up for a little bit. So learning these things really helped me. And these are all things I use with my clients now, but it's a real thing. It's part of it. It just helped me to know that I wasn't crazy. I think what you said there is I I haven't been a depressed person before and recognizing the difference between depression that is clinical extends beyond grief. It's not necessarily circumstantial, but more internal, uh, biological or chemical, excuse me, is such a different experience than the depression that creeps in with severe loss or any type of loss. And I also love how you had a friend who was willing to say to you, this is like, this is going to be super hard, but after you've gathered all of this knowledge, it sounds like it's failed you because you are not able to see yourself in clarity right now, but I love you and I can, and I'm going to come alongside you in that. That is beautiful because it sounds like that is really what you've positioned yourself to do on behalf of other women. Yes. The the thing in my life that was always a 10 was my friends. You know, Mm -hmm. I was always healthy before I was, you know, I'm a clinical exercise physiologist. So I was able to keep that up. I don't know how women go through divorce who are not already healthy and have really good habits because when you're in that much pain, you're going to do something. And when I got divorced, I had literally 10 friends getting divorced at the same time most of them from my same neighborhood of 110 homes. I mean, it was just like wow. this season. And you know, some people are going to turn to alcohol. Some are going to escape. Some are going to isolate. Some are going to run into an arms of another man. I mean, you can overexercise. You can take a good yeah. thing and do it to excess to try and compensate for the pain. And I wanted to do something healthy, but being connected to wise friends, that was what got me through. So thankfully, you know, health was good. Finance was good, all of that. But the emotional support and the wisdom of friends when I was in those dark door kicking moments, it was just, that's where the spiritual part came in too. It was like, I got put on someone's heart and they would just pick up the phone or they would send me a song or a word or something to encourage me. And it it was just kept increasing my belief and my faith that I was going to get through it. Yeah. I love the um, idea that your connectivity to people also is where you found permission to just fall apart because that, I think, especially I have, I've not experienced divorce in my own marriage, but around me, I see the willingness to put strength on display as primary, right? We are self-protection people by nature. And so as women who are authoritative and capable, wildly capable of orchestrating the children and the house and the finance and all the things. Uh, It can be extremely terrifying to confess vulnerability or to express, I really need to fall apart, but I have no ability to do that. So I'm curious as a coach, how do you help women find permission within their own lives to make space to fall apart and to not be okay? 
Yeah. I mean, you, you really do need to, so I, I talk a lot about forgiveness and, you know, it's a subject people don't like to talk about and they, they don't maybe think about it the way that I do. They might be thinking like, Kelly, if you heard my story, you would never be telling me to forgive. And I'm not saying, I mean, horrible things happen. People are abused. I mean, I don't have to look for it to see a terrible, terrible story, but it's about not holding your own feet to the fire, not burning yourself, not seeing yourself as a failure. The very highest level of forgiveness is when you can forgive someone in the area that they hurt you. And in the case of divorce, you might be thinking of your spouse, whether it's infidelity or whatever happened, but really it's holding up the mirror and going, how are you hurting yourself? You know, are you loving yourself? Are you seeing yourself as a victim? Are you shaming yourself? Um, so it's, it's getting them to learn to love themselves again and, and really be honest and to do it in a loving, supportive, kind way. And, you know, good coaches will ask good open-ended questions because it gets you to think differently because right. we get in this place where we're just replaying, replaying and the emotions just come fiery and bigger than before. And we're telling a story that might not even be true anymore. It might not have ever been true. So I get them to think a little bit differently. And a lot of times I can get them to start with a really simple to don't list. Like, yeah. what do you, let, let's not even talk about, okay, you should journal, you should gratitude. You should, like, let's just start with what do you need to stop? What's on the to don't list? What are you doing now that's not serving you? And let them pick the thing that they're ready and committed to do. And maybe it's just not, you know, talking down to yourself or, you know, not staying up all night watching Netflix or drinking a bottle of wine. About, you know, they know the thing. It's a kindergarten thing. Like, how are you not loving yourself? What do you need to stop doing before you can even start anything else? Otherwise, they feel like, whoo, that, that's too much. I can't do all these things. But you can stop doing something that you're committed to doing and then start building on that success because now you make space for something new and better and different. Yes. Those coping mechanisms that become second nature because they're accessible and easy and user-friendly usually <laughs> are a brilliant place to advise people, hey, take a look, take some stock, take account of where you are and decide what you want. I love that to don't lessons. So how with your clients or with anyone who's going through divorce, would you call them into a place of awareness in that whole alignment of spirit, mind, and body? Like what is a typical approach for clients that are like, yeah, okay, I see where I know what I want to stop doing. I see where I'm at. I know it's a completely individualized question. So I'm aware of that, but what for the people listening, would you say like, where are your next steps? Who can you what resources or what would you advise them to start taking stock of in their own life? Yeah. One simple thing is what's great about your situation. And again, some people are like, Kelly, you don't know. Like I left in the middle of the night with a trash bag. I'm living by the train tracks in a trailer, you know, whatever. Again, there's horrible stories, but if you, you can start by saying, okay, this is where I am now. If I'm thinking about the past, I'm constantly you know, just living with regret. The future is constantly living in fear. But if I can get them to just get present and breathe, and let's focus on something right now that's good about your situation and get them to start building on those things. Like, well, I kind of have a blank slate or, you know, I get to make all the choices right now. You know, I'm, I'm responsible for me. No one is shoving food down my mouth right now like that. That's the one thing I, I can do something about. I don't have to eat cheesecake and beer every night or whatever it is. So I don't have to compromise in this 
situation now. Um, there's peace in my house. You know, whatever it is, like start with what's good. And even if it's like, well, you know, I've, I've got technology, I'm able to communicate with you. So just get them, getting them again to think differently, to start to build their confidence. The very lowest form of energy is victim. And that's where you're like, the world is happening to me. There's nothing I can do. The highest level of energy is love. So if you're looking at an actual vibration that you could measure, it's that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's all the highest possible. The tipping point between victim and love is courage. It's having the resilience to get back up again. And during divorce, as an example, you could be knocked down 10 times in a row or, or during a pandemic, you know, it could be your job, your kids, your sickness, your, you know, it's just slam, 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 slam. So being able to be resilient, to have the courage to get back up again, just with one step, nothing monumental. We're not saying go out and start a business or start dating again, or, but what's one thing that you can do. And in the small things, the big things happen. So it's that compound ripple effect of just taking one step and let's celebrate it. Let's just be happy about yes. the one thing that you're like, okay, this is good. I found one thing good today about my situation. And then we build. And once you get the airplane off the ground, then they can start to soar. I really like that metaphor too. You said a word in there that actually a friend and I were just talking about the word resilience. It's a powerful word because it's a powerful concept, but I think for someone who is in the beginning stages of grief or especially mourning a marriage, it is almost a cuss word. The idea of hope and you can do this and it's not a bootstrap mentality. This is a, we can restore, we can rebuild, you can bring wholeness back around can become so damaging. So I'm curious, how do you work with people or approach people who obviously knowing you're not going to have someone hire you if they're not ready to work with you, but in the public sphere, as you are speaking and and presenting and showing up in all these written places as well, how are you, how do you navigate the people who are just like, that sounds too much like the power of positive thinking. That sounds too much like I'm the reason everything is bad. And if I could only just be stronger then everything would be fine. How do you address that kind of a thought process? Yeah, it's a great question. If I couldn't do it, I wouldn't expect any of my clients to do it. And I couldn't do it. And I have been a super achiever, powerhouse, get up, you know, driver, thriver, workforce person, and I couldn't do it myself. So it starts with your identity, you know, how you're seeing yourself too. Mm -hmm. So getting them to even write some statements as simple as, you know, I am at peace. Mm -hmm. I am loved. I am, you know, somewhere to get them from that place of feeling overwhelmed, frustrated, chaos. So writing is powerful. There's so much power between the brain and handwriting, not typing, but getting a, a new fresh journal and starting to handwrite. And one of the things that I started doing was I promised myself I wouldn't go to bed until I filled a page with things I was grateful for. And it started out hard. It was I'm like, I walked the dog. I took my vitamins. I, you know, it was really like mechanical and forced. But in a short amount of time, I started going throughout my day, knowing that the night was coming and I was going to have to fill that page. <laughs> and I was looking for things. So I'm like, oh my goodness, like not everyone gets to talk to Manny today. Like, how awesome is that? Like, I'm going to talk to Manny today. And I just started looking for, and it changed my whole perspective where I was expecting to receive things. I was looking for things to be grateful for. So, you know, exercises like that, that seem like they're nothing, but they build up. So I'm not saying, you know, write all these specific, you know, smart goals, 
but just start by going throughout your day looking for something to be grateful for and then use those statements when you catch yourself going, I'm a failure, I'm overwhelmed, this is total chaos, I'll never get it. Like, can we change the words yeah. to um, I'm a survivor, um, I am going to live through the day. You know, just start to reframe words even yeah. can be a difference. So you have to catch yourself and reframe because everything you have in your life right now is a result of how you, you know, what you believed and how you thought and how you acted. Yeah. And that became your, you know, your character and your identity. So if you want to change your identity it has to start with your belief. So capturing the thought and reframing it. It's such a skill that you have to develop. Like it, I love hearing you say that as I'm listening, I'm thinking, Oh yes, those are exactly the things that I talk with clients about all the time because they're so powerful, but you're absolutely right. Until you, have a reason, like an assignment of, I will physically write these things I'm grateful for at night until you have that reason backing you up to look around your life and think ahead of, well, if I plan now about the gratitude things then I can go to bed sooner because then I won't be thinking about it at bedtime. It seems so simple and on one level it is, but at the crux of it, it is so incredibly powerful because you're literally just creating new neural pathways that when you look at your fridge, your, fr- your thought process isn't what am I going to eat? It's, there is so much food in my fridge. How in the world did I ever think I would go hungry again? Things that you thought were your downfall become the moments of recognition that you have actually made progress and moved the needle in your own story. Yes. Yeah. So much truth to that. And in the small things, the big things really do happen and it might seem silly, but I run in a circle of incredible, super achieving human beings that are so giving and they've had some hard, difficult things happen in their life that they overcame. And these were the things that they were doing, you know, something simple like a morning routine. So even if the rest of your day, you're going to, you know, just lie on the floor and cry, you got up, you had some water with lemon, uh, you read an inspirational quote, you wrote a thought down in your journal, uh, you stretched, you did something. So even if the rest of the day just falls apart and you're in a ball sobbing, at least you did that. So starting to build a morning routine. And then once you've got that down, start to build a little evening routine. So you can do the reverse and you could actually fall asleep and you're contributing to your wellness. Um, because once you start to do these things and you start to feel better, you're like, oh, my brain's not as foggy wait a minute, I think I want to go out and take a walk around the lake. And then, you know, all of that, just wait, my feet are in the grass. This feels good to have my feet in the grass. And you'll just start to love and care yourself back to health and life. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, I have, our time is flying by and I'm really disappointed with that. I have (laughs) one question. Earlier, you talked about how you have always had those few people around you that are just so solid. They're your people, they're they're holding you up. They're the ones calling you out. But I think about the marriage that's 20 years deep and all of your friends are shared couple friends and the divorce is messy and there's disagreement and there's this loss, secondary loss of all the friendships. What about the person? How do you go about creating safety in your own life to even know which of my friends can be that person going on for me after the fact? Or how do I rebuild so that I do have people around me that can hold me up when I'm like unable to see myself? Yes. You may need new friends. I mean, you may have a whole new friend group. I don't see as many as my couple friends, but now I have an amazing group of single friends. I'm still connected to them. We're still friends, but I don't do as many things with them because they do a lot of couple things. 
Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm intentional about girl time. Like this Sunday, once a month, there's a group of us that meets for brunch. We go to a different restaurant. It's always fun. We plan it a month in advance. We look forward to it. So having, you know, girl time or whatever, if you're a guy, you want to play basketball, golf, whatever, build that you have to be intentional. Otherwise you will sit there isolated and they use isolation as a form of punishment in prison for a reason. I mean, people go crazy being isolated and we've seen that with the pandemic So you have to find your tribe, find your people, go out and take a yoga class. There's so many different meetup groups. There's ways that you can find your tribe. I go to a painting class once a month. Sometimes I'll bring friends. Sometimes I'll go alone, but I find it therapeutic. It's my Friday night date night once a month to go and paint. It's just something that feels good and it's creative. So you need to find what your thing is. Maybe it was something you loved as a little girl that you haven't done in 20, 30 years or something you never developed or you're curious about now, but you have to take that step and be intentional. And there's a lot of single women out there. Church was a great place for me. I found a lot of people there who are just supportive and loving and not judgmental. So find your tribe, be intentional. It may take you a little bit, but I have friends who are funny. Like I, when I need to laugh, I call my funny friends. When I want a really deep conversation, then I call, you know, different friends. And so it's good to have different friends to fill your love tank in different areas. Because no one person is going to do it all, not even a spouse. Oh, unequivocally, right? I remember very early on in our marriage saying, I'm so grateful for my friends because I need them more now than ever, because now I'm living with a boy and I don't know what to do. (laughs) Please send help. I think too, what you described is so vulnerable. And again, like in the midst of beginning stages of grief, especially that vulnerability to go alone somewhere when you've really not done that necessarily can be so painful. So inviting yourself to recognize the value of vulnerability really is a big part of that. Okay. My last question, because we're cruising. Oh my gosh. One of the things that I work really hard with grievers is to disarm platitudes. And I'm curious if, especially in the context of divorce, what would be a platitude you've heard the most often that just doesn't sit right? And how do you disarm it in your life? So give me an example of what you mean by that. And I'll I'll give you a divorce example. Totally. So a platitude would be something along the lines of, don't worry, they're in a better place or, you know what? He wasn't the right one for you. I didn't want to say this, but I never really trusted him. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So when I first, you know, my husband was just moved out. I had a group of girls over, I'm in a a TV show and they were filming at my house. And one of the ladies said to me, Oh, you'll be fine. You'll see, you know, it was the best thing ever. He was no good for you anyway. And I was like, they're just being mean. Like, I, like, I, I don't want to be divorced and I didn't want this story. And so people having had friends who got divorced previous to me, I was a terrible friend. We are not equipped. Like we don't know what to say unless you have had your house burned down or you've had an abortion or you you know, your spouse has been killed in an accident. I mean, you don't know unless you've gone through it. So until I went through divorce, I didn't know what to say either. So people will say all kinds of things. You're better off without him or he'll regret it. Um, karma, you know, it'll come back around to him or whatever. But yeah, none of those things were helpful. <laughs> none of those things were true. So I would say a divorce coach or, you know, an expert like yourself who can help with grief, get with them. I did. And that's where I got the truth from and from really wise friends. But if you're, you're not equipped and you don't know, and you're trying to be helpful, I would tell people don't, don't say things like that. You know, unless you've been through it yourself, you have lost a child, then you can speak to that. If you haven't, 
you know, just sit with someone. Honestly, sometimes just sitting and being with them is enough. You don't have to say a word, just sit there. Don't try and fix it. Don't try and even explain it. Just be with them. Just sit there. That's exactly it. That's, that's a perfect note to end on. So thank you so much, Kelly, for being on the show today. I want to give you an opportunity just to tell our audience where they can find you online. How can they get a hold of you or see your work? Absolutely. Well, the divorce recovery work I do is at intentionallyfabulous.com. You can see everything there. And I also have a private Facebook group by the same name, Intentionally Fabulous, where any women going through separation, divorce, post-divorce, even years post-divorce who have not yet healed or want to be even better. Uh, we talk about the hard things and you know we laugh and we support each other so they can come there. And then um, kellycalabrese.com, Kelly with an I is my main website. Fantastic. Well, I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes too. So it'll be easy for people to find. And again, I just want to say thank you for making time. This is such an important topic to address. And I think divorce can be one of those disenfranchised grief places where we don't necessarily think that the person is grieving because, hey, maybe they're better off, right? So I appreciate you pulling back the veil and expressing the beauty of what can actually come through all of it when we are intentional. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you for listening to episode 40 of Restorative Grief. I love the recognition from Kelly about our lowest and highest forms of energy from victim to love. Moving ourselves into integration takes more than a mindset shift, but people paying attention to where your mind goes is crucial to start the healing process. So much of our energy is spent on overthinking and overfeeling and overreacting, but this is unproductive for those of us ready to start the healing process. And Kelly is on a mission to support women after divorce. So if that's you, I know she would love to back you up as you learn to support yourself too. Please take a minute to smash that subscribe button wherever you are listening and hey, consider leaving a five-star review while you're at it. It really helps the show and it helps us find the people that need the people we bring in. You could also share this podcast directly, of course, with any friend who might be working through a divorce or a separation and they might need a little reminder that they carry the brilliance within them to move toward healing and they're not doing it alone. One last thing. Please remember, the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.